continue our studies on the moral attributes of God by asking, what do we know about the holiness of God from the Bible? In Revelation 4.8, we read the text, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. We now proceed further in our study of the moral character of God. We have considered many passages of Scripture that indicate that love is the essence of God's moral character or is the guiding stone of all God's activities. We now go on to consider some of the moral attributes or modes of conduct that proceed from this essence of love what things may always be said to be true of God's moral nature. An attribute has been defined as a permanent quality of a thing. It is an endeavor to describe the nature of God by considering the revealed characteristics of God. We have considered what have been called natural attributes because these elements of personal existence are true of the Godhead as natural endowments of personality and do not involve a mode of conduct or a matter of choice. The Godhead are thus characterized by eternity or have always existed by necessity. They are characterized by omnipresence or occupy all space simultaneously by omniscience or a knowledge of all knowable facts, and by omnipotence, or unlimited power. God has no choice in these matters. They are natural endowments, or natural attributes. But an entirely different area of characteristics are entered upon when we seek to enumerate what moral attributes are true of the Godhead. They are called moral because they involve free choice and are thus not necessitated. Natural attributes are admirable, but only moral attributes can incite true worship and adoration. Natural attributes may bring amazement and astonishment, but only moral attributes can challenge to virtuous action. There is a may or may not to moral action, a self-causation in the realm of the mystery of the will. God could choose the path of selfishness, of self-interest, but he refuses to do so. Instead, the Godhead have chosen and continue to choose total conformity to the undimmed intelligence of their great being. A disposition of good willing prevails to dictate all actions. God is love, and we proceed to enumerate the characteristics of this moral love. The attributes of God's conduct to be considered are not additions to the loving heart or purpose of God, but are attributes of the loving disposition of God. They are descriptions of what is going on in the great being of God and what can be expected to continue 
throughout endless ages of eternity. The first moral attribute of the moral character of the God of love that is to be considered is that of the holiness of God. It is emphatically stated that God may be said to be holy because the pathway of disinterested love or benevolence has always been chosen. God is holy, therefore, because he is love. We shall see this made evident upon various uses of the word holy and its implications. Holiness is not some basic fixed constitution that issues forth in acts of love by necessity. It is a descriptive term as to what is going on in the divine being. God is called holy because he conducts himself by the law of love. We consider first the meaning of the Hebrew word translated holy in the Old Testament and a similar word in the New Testament. First of all, the primary idea of the basic Hebrew word rendered holy appears to be that of cutting off or separation. The word attached itself first to the idea of the invisible Jehovah in Hebrew history and to places, seasons, and things that are associated with him. It was thought of as applying to God first in the sense that the divine being was separated from all that is earthly or human and distinguished therefore the creator from the creature. Holy in this usage is almost equivalent to divine. But more particularly, the word is used to describe the holiness of character or moral action. Be ye holy, for I am holy, we read in Leviticus 11.44. This is plainly descriptive of God's mode of life with a strong command for man to follow in the ways of his Creator. Thus all that was involved in the worship of the Old Testament became characterized by the word holy because of its consecration or separation to God. The tabernacle had its holy place and its inner sanctuary called the Holy of Holies. Holiness in this sense expressed a relation. Holiness as applied to man also had this twofold sense, referring to man morally and to some who were set apart for holy functions. But secondly, as we come to the New Testament word rendered holy and its variations, we have a close correspondence to the Old Testament Hebrew meaning except that the external aspects of the word almost disappears with the internal spiritual meaning taking prominence. Our Lord laid new stress on the inner defilement of heart and its spiritual cleansing through his redemption soon to be provided. Thoughts defiled man's hearts which had to be purified before men could worship God in spirit and in truth, as the Lord Jesus had declared. 
The moral or virtuous aspect of holiness is thus in continual prominence and describes an inner disposition or conduct as separated from sinful or wrongful actions. The term is applied a few times to God the Father and in several Old Testament quotations in the New Testament. It is constantly used of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, and in several passages relating to Christ. But very commonly it is applied to Christians who are said to be holy ones by the grace of God. Thus we see from the nature of the term used that the word holy as applied to God properly means worthy of veneration or reverend. God is to be worshipped and adored because of voluntary devotion to virtue or good willing toward all. God is a standard to himself and conforms thereto. But in the second place, let us consider some of the Bible quotations where it is declared that God is holy. We notice this is done in a manner that implies that holiness is an active quality, a disposition of moral character, and not some sort of static or constitutional quality. God describes himself thus to his servants. In Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45, we read this profound statement concerning the Godhead. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Here we have a similitude set forth for man. Again in the 19th chapter of Leviticus and verse 2, we read a similar declaration concerning the Godhead. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. God declares himself to be holy, and commands those whom he has set his love on in a particular way, to walk the pathway of holiness after him. In the 20th chapter of Leviticus, verses 7 and 8, we read further, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. Further, in the 21st chapter of Leviticus, in verse 8, Thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I the Lord which sanctify you am holy. Here are the declarations of God through his servant concerning his holiness. And in the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy, and verse 15, we read a portion of the prayer that Moses advised the people to pray after his departure. 
Look down from thy holy habitation, from heaven, and bless thy people Israel, and the land which thou hast given us, as thou swearest unto our fathers, a land that floweth with milk and honey. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. We shall continue the reading of the Old Testament scriptures in our next visit. Thus we see that the term holiness as applied to God is descriptive of his virtuous moral character as the great law of love sways all the motions of the great being of the Godhead. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are indeed thankful for the revelation of thy holiness. What a challenge it is for all men to turn from sin. Follow thy command. Be holy, for I am holy. And what an invitation this should be as the glorious gospel goes forth that men may turn from sin in sincere repentance, come to the cross of Christ, be transformed and quickened by the power of the Spirit through faith, go on to serve the Lord with a happy heart, now and henceforth. May many do so this very day. In Jesus' name, amen.